Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 227. John and Wendy talk to Dr. Amy Dufresne. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you doing, John? Wendy, I'm well. Hard to believe it's the end of June. I know. The te- you know, it just we know that it just keeps going and going and going, but here we are at end of June already. That's just, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> I think one of the exciting things that you have going, knowing it's the end of June, your other show that's not a <laughs> podcast is going on. So, so what's yeah. what exactly is happening as you tread the boards, as I so like to say? I tread the boards. We have become quite the uh, theater family um, here in uh, in Little Brookings. Um, Jesse and I decided to tr- audition for Willy Wonka. Um, the Brookings Community Theater is putting it on, and uh, so she is going to be a candy kid, which she's kind of excited about. Although was disappointed to find out no real candy is involved in being a candy kid. <laughs> Um, and I get to be grandma Georgina. Um, so I'm trying to figure out why I have to go in for blocking nights when I'm going to be sitting in a bed pretty much through the entire performance, (laughs) but it is, it's super fun and really enjoying, um, kind of getting out and doing a little singing, doing a little acting, um, playing, um, just having fun with it. And we've been, Maggie's gotten the theater bug. She did um, A Winter's Tale, Shakespeare's A Winter's Tale, this last spring with the high school, which, uh, to be fair, I'm an English major. And at the end of that, I was like, Maggie, can you give me the plot? Because that was Shakespeare. (laughs) And you did Shakespearean language. And I kind of followed it. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun um, going to different rehearsals and kind of seeing the talent in um, in our little town uh, here in Brookings. Really enjoying it. And so just want to encourage people to check out local theater wherever you are, because there's some folks out there that do it part time. They volunteer their time. They give up their evenings and weekends and really put on some fantastic shows. Um, there's a lot of great talent hidden out there where people, I mean, I wouldn't want to do this full time, but it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. I want to see pictures of you made up as grandma. Oh yeah. We've we've got it. We've got to have that. Yeah. I have challenged Jessie. So she's 12. She loves makeup and all that. So I said, you go out and figure out how to age me to be a grandma. Even though technically I could be a grandma right now. I'm old enough. We're not going to really say that. But age me up for, for stage. So I've told her that she is allowed to do my makeup. So she's kind of excited about that. I think I'm the oldest, te- I'm the technically the oldest grandparent. Um, I'm pretty sure the guy playing Grandpa George is 24, 25. Whoa! Whoa! So yeah, um, I'm the age appropriate grandma. <laughs> oh my word. Wow. I don't know why we can't find enough older men, but... Some of the cast was, were they even born before this Johnny Depp version of this movie came out then? Some of them know, but well, you know, the funny thing, I was talking with someone else earlier this week and the community theater did Mamma Mia a couple of years ago and I was in it for a while and just ran out of time, couldn't be a part of it. But one of the leads who was in her twenties was trying to explain ABBA to me. And I finally just had to say, oh honey, I was listening to ABBA before your parents were born. Um <laughs> Sorry. Uh, thank you for the explanation of who they are, though. <laughs> At some point, you're going to have to reconnect with Manoj to talk about 
that because as you recall, yeah. that was probably one of the more fascinating conversations we'd had on the show at the time yeah. and that he had this entire second life performing. And I, mm-hmm. and I, I think he's now retired and doing that full time, yeah. isn't he? Or he's I think going so. To, so very, yeah, very I do cool. need to reach out to him again because it's, you know, it, it's a lot of fun and I do encourage folks because there's a lot of areas in that, in the community theater, not just on stage, you know, they may need musicians, they may need lighting people, they may need people to help with marketing and that sort of thing. So um, definitely would check it out, support them however you can. Um, I mean, we're even going to have a, the local theater is going to do a showing of the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with the Gene Wilder version. And so that'll be shown. There'll be hors d'oeuvres and drinks and have like a little fundraiser. So kind of excited about that seeing Gene Wilder's version up on the big screen. And I'm sure we'll all sing along. <laughs> I look forward to seeing pictures and, and maybe some video yeah. that somebody can put out there. And Oh, yeah, there will be. <laughs> definitely support support those community playhouses, theaters, mm-hmm. whatever they may be. Speaking of community, though, we talked a little bit before our guests joined us that we're super excited about this conversation because as I yeah. texted you this afternoon, Wendy, it's not often that we have the CEO of the largest certification organization of our industry (laughs) on our podcast. We're incredibly fortunate and honored to have Amy with us. Let's make the introduction and get started. Yeah, I am very excited to to welcome uh, Dr. Dufresne. Um, Amy is a nationally recognized corporate executive and thought leader on the human side of successful business strategy in the 21st century. In her role as CEO of HRCI, the world's premier credentialing and learning organization for the human resources profession, Dr. Dufresne is responsible for guiding the multi-million dollar enterprise as it provides training for companies and their employees to navigate the demands of the modern workplace and its future. As the global business leader, frequent public speaker, and a champion for human capital investment as a core component of corporate strategy, Amy believes that institutions are most successful when they fully appreciate, leverage, and invest in the role of human resources professionals as catalysts for individuals to explore their strength and reach their highest potential. Prior to joining HRCI in 2011, Dr. Dufresne spent two decades developing innovative human capital strategies in the private, public, and higher education sectors. Amy's thought leadership on the future of work positions the complexity of the human experience at the center of our evolving economy and encourages companies to invest in talented human resources professionals who can anticipate and respond to the challenges that their employees will inevitably face. Well, Amy... Super excited to have you on the show. I, like John said, we are super excited to have you here. First question, what is in your glass? Well, firstly, thanks, Wendy and John, for having me. It's great to be here. And I would love to say that I only have one glass in front of me. I actually have two glasses, <laughs> one with water, one with sparkling water. But my glasses are always half full, right? They're always half full. So such a fun um, fun conversation to have and a great time to talk about my favorite topic, HR. Love it. I love it. <laughs> I think that's the first time anybody's had two variants of water. Yeah, but I don't think at the same time, I don't recall. Amy, we always have to ask, how exactly did you get your start in human resources? And then what ultimately led you to HRCI? Yeah, I have been such a big proponent of HR and um, started, kind of fell into HR like many people do. Um, I took one class in college on personnel. That's what it was at the time, as I date myself. 
I did an internship with a very large organization and worked across the organization in a lot of different places. And I did a stint in HR and I loved it. I loved it. And the opportunity arose that there was an opening. And before I graduated from college, I was in the role and much more transactional, much more, you know, things that I did at that time are automated and like a nanosecond now. <laughs> so just really seeing uh, the pace of change, you know, have spent, uh, as Wendy, as you said, a lot of time in a, many different industries, which I, I'm a learning junkie. And so for me, that's been a wonderful opportunity to see HR in, in a very different um, very practice very differently in different organizations. And I became certified long, long, long before I uh, joined HRCI. And I, you know, I love learning. I have spent many decades in the classroom, both as a student and as a professor. And I have so enjoyed seeing the maturation of our profession to a place where um, we are at the table we're making decisions. Um, we are a, a business leader that is part and leading the most important resource of our business, our human capital. The opportunity came up for me to join HRCI and I jumped at it because I thought, what better way to give back to the profession than to, um, at that point, we were really focused on certification, but we have, uh, over the past many years, um, evolved the business um, of HRCI. We're, we've got um, a much more robust learning component. We have uh, 60,000 hours of, of learning that I'd love to say that we had a crystal ball and we knew that COVID was going to happen. <laughs> and we launched our digital learning platform in February of 2020. We just had such an engaging audience that we've, you know, our certification continues to um, be the gold standard in the profession. But we also have this awesome learning that's real time and relevant and we have added to our offerings. We're doing webinars like many organizations. We were talking to our clients and they were saying, gosh, there's no place to go to get good learning in the middle of COVID when we really are, as a community, dealing with so much. And so we started a webinar series that that continues to this day being very strong. We have thousands of people that join us um, every week. And they're joining us from all over the world. So we're, we said, oh, we'll do this at one o'clock Eastern time. And, you know, we'll catch people on both sides of the coast. We're catching people in the middle of the night, which is awesome. So it's just been so fun to be a part of, of HRCI and to be a part of so many HR professionals journeys at, in their career and their progression and, and that they choose HRCI to be by you know, partners, and um, we've uh, continued to flourish because our our clients really value how we help them. I have to say, I love the webinar series. That you know, when I have time, I can jump in and listen. And there's always been some great stuff. So love that you guys had your crystal ball out um, right. to get that started <laughs> at the right time. <laughs> Absolutely love that. As you said, you've been with HRCI for some time now. 
talk a little bit about how you've seen the face of education and certification for HR pros change over time and get your crystal ball out again. And what's exciting you um, about the future of the the professional certification? Our certification continues to evolve on an annual basis because our profession changes. Um, You know, there are still fundamental components of what HR pros are doing um, you know, there's always going to be total rewards. There's always going to be compliance and, and risk, but they're changing and we're seeing, um, you know, things that we thought, okay, business continuity, we're good. We have that, that down pat. And then, you know, the past uh, 28 months or so, um, you know, we're realizing, my gosh, we have so much more to learn here about um, business continuity when we're in the middle of a pandemic, which, you know, I think that that is um, something that our profession, it's its constantly changing. Just in the time that I've been um, an HR professional, just seeing that change has been wonderful. I think in the certification space, it used to be that you'd have to go to a physical space to take an exam. COVID taught us that we can actually do this differently. We can do it online at our homes with our computers. You can take a high stakes exam. Um, and there are, of course, technological requirements that you need to have. But, you know, we've seen that evolve. I think education has changed. So and, and so our certifications back to that will continue to evolve as the profession evolves. Right. The focus of what we continue to make sure that HR professionals uh, have in their toolkit our knowledge of some of the things that are relevant to the profession, not only right now, but things that have happened in the past, like, for example, unions. It's important that we talk about them, that we know what are the things that we need to do to ensure employee engagement as we're, uh, as our organizations are evolving and, and um, what are things that you can do and not do when it comes to unions. And, you know, I think People thought, oh, we don't need to talk about that anymore because that's organizations aren't seeing this happen. But in fact, we're seeing this resurgence. It's not every organization, right? I mean, this is just an example of something that I guess what's old is new again. When I think about education, we are seeing individuals need real-time information when they are dealing with a situation or um, a conflict and they need, you know, how do I, how do I handle this conflict between two senior level people? What do I do? What role should I play um, to facilitate this? That knowledge is real time. And we're seeing that individuals that once were going to college are saying, my goodness, college is so expensive right now that maybe getting a professional certification is a way for me to get the foot, my foot in the door. And I either delay my education, or I decide that I'm going to just stick with a professional certification because that has relevance. And, you know, for 45 years that we've been doing this, we have a lot of longitudinal research that demonstrates that people who get certified are happier in their jobs. They're better performers as reported by their supervisors. They make more money. And I'm not talking one or two dollars more. I'm talking thousands of dollars more for, you know, it depends on, in our case, the PHRS, PHR, there's, you know, the SPHR, it's $10,000 more. And, and gosh, who can't, who would turn that down, right? Um, just by investing in yourself and differentiating yourself, it gives you the opportunity to grow. So I think that's where we're seeing certification become 
much more widely accepted by employers. And, you know, we know we have this dearth of employees right now. We need people to fill these jobs that we've got. And um, what better way to sort of get them engaged sooner by giving them the professional knowledge that they need to um, become certified. In the case of the PHR and SPHR, as you know, those are certifications that the one of the requirements is to have more experience um, because there are competency-based, there's more experiential sorts of, of learning and assimilation of information as you're thinking about the certifications and the, um, and the, the questions. I've seen education and, and certification evolve so much. And I think we're, we are going to continue to see it evolve even more with, you know, things like LinkedIn Learning and Coursera. And, um, you know, there are just so many companies out there that are offering real-time training and education for folks. It's accepted. It's this is a great way for people to differentiate themselves. Amy, so we've talked about certification and the value there. We know like you talked about the fact that learning has changed, that how you're delivering things has changed. All of us have had a lot of challenges in the field in in the last bit of time. And I think, you know, it's funny, you mentioned you started when, or took a personnel class. The three of us can all remember when things were hardly on computers at all, or at least I can, That's you know, my first job in this, uh, there was one computer in our office and it was not mine. Uh, but, but in the last couple of years in particular, we've seen a lot of challenges. What are you hearing from the membership about the people issues that you that you believe are going to require the most focus in the next coming months or next year? I was most recently with a, a group of 100 folks, um, HR leaders from um, around the globe, folks from Avvi, um, Chewy, Canva, um, Prudential, large, large organizations. The question was asked, this was facilitated by um, Dave Ulrich and Mark Efron, and the question was asked, what's your most pressing issue right now? What's your most pressing HR issue and what's your most pressing business issue? People, 100%. Retention of talent, the shortage of talent, the upskilling of talent, the engagement of talent. It was all around people finding them, upskilling them keeping them engaged, keeping them happy with with the role that they're in. Uh, and I think that this is both business leaders and HR leaders have the very same concerns, which right now you can go to any executive leadership team at any company, and they're all talking about what we do every day, which is awesome, right? We have... Now, you know, the business leaders are seeing HR really knows what they're talking about. They get it. We can have that business conversation and we can say, these are the things that we need to be measuring, that we need to be looking at. And there's so much advancement that's happening with AI and machine learning that there are some things that we can do to start predicting engagement and, um, you know, based on conversations that are happening, both technology-wise, phone calls that are happening. So we are really able to use the technology, which are, are so many options out there right now, to really have these amazingly engaging conversations about, about people and how do we 
How do we help them live to their fullest potential and give them a place that they can give back? I call it people's zone of genius, sort of that they can contribute in their zone of genius, which makes them excited and engaged with what they're doing every day. I love that. That's the, you know, engagement and, and being able to share and share what you're learning with others and bring them in. That's kind of what we're doing here on the social hour is right. making sure that we can connect the right people with the right people so that you can have those conversations. So I absolutely love that. Amy, recently you all announced the launch of the Human Resources Standards Institute. Tell us about this new subsidiary, what led to its creations, and what are some of the immediate plans for it? So exciting. You know, HRCI has been a part of standards for many years. I started engaging in the standards work, I guess it's been a decade ago, really, you know, sort of participating in and understanding there is a group called TC260, which is a technical committee under ISO. And that technical committee is focused on all things HR. They call it human resource management. This group of people from more than 40 countries are participating in writing standards. Um, So there's been some standards that have been written about, and just frankly, we just published the learning standard. They all go by numbers. So everybody's familiar with 9001, you know, the ISO standard 9001. So we have the latest, the couple of standards that have gotten more traction are 30414 and 30415. Um, And I'll talk a little bit about those. A year ago, ANSI approached us um, at HRCI and said, Amy, would you like to become the secretariat of this TC260 group? So this is leading all countries who are participating in the standards. And I said, we would love to. We see certification as very much relevant to standards um, have taken this on, um, the Secretariat, and the very first standard that was published under our leadership was 30415, Diversity and Inclusion. We immediately developed certificate programs against the standard for diversity and inclusion, and then we uh, founded an affiliate uh, called HRSI, or Human Resource Standards Institute. HRSI is certifying organizations against the standards that are coming out of the TC260 group. So the first standard that we are certifying organizations against are 30415, which is the diversity and inclusion. We launched this last month. We've gotten some amazing feedback um, and interest from the community. Uh, We've had lots of uh, both large and small organizations that have contacted us and are interested in getting their organization certified by and against this standard. So we're really excited about this. We're going to continue to evolve and uh, we'll be certifying organizations against other standards that are coming out of the TC. What's fascinating about the work of ISO is that in many countries, the work that is approved by the International Standards Organization becomes the law. It becomes the law of the country. This is really critical and important work that countries are sending their experts to be a part of. And we feel very honored to be leading this effort with ANSI and the 40 other countries that are participating. And if people are interested in being part of or becoming a standards developer, 
which is, you know, this, these are all volunteer positions, but these are high level individuals from around the world that are doing this. It's fun and it's interesting and you learn so much. I think it's really similar to anybody who is listening, who's been a subject matter expert of our exams, knows how interesting and fun the process is. We have a group in last week of, of 40 HR leaders um, looking at our exams. We have a group this weekend that will be um, building and we'll have a, another group in in another week that will be looking at, at different facets of our exams. We get people, again, from around the world at all levels in HR, and they love to come because they said, I learn. I learn just by having these conversations with HR leaders. I'm better. I become a better, um, I'm better equipped to do my job. And I think about things differently. So it's prompting me to be um, a different HR leader. That's a little bit of a tangent, but I think that it's it's part of this, you're, you're developing a stronger uh, a connection with the HR professional community and it's global. You know, I think that that HR is so different all over the world by creating some standards and some language that's the same. We've published a terminology dictionary of terms so that people around the world that are in HR can start speaking from the same playbook, so to speak, and using terminology as we're hiring people all over the world. We're very excited about this. I'm excited about this initiative. Um, this has been years in the making. It's just, it's uh, a pleasure to be able to, to birth this organization and now see that other individuals are as excited about this as we are at HRCI. I think what's fascinating, you mentioned early, ISO is certainly something that's recognized. I can remember talking about ISO certification 20 years ago in the manufacturing space. I don't want to say it provides validity, but I would see a lot of organizations, non-HR people seeing that and seeing it's tied to ISO as extreme benefit, tremendous benefit. I don't know it if is. you're seeing that or hearing that, but I would th that, that's a language, totally. that common language would certainly be there. That's right. And one of the things that I um, mentioned and didn't go deep into was 30414, which is the human capital reporting metrics. That was published a couple of years ago. And the SEC, so in the United States, the Securities and Exchange Commission, saw this as a very interesting standard because for a decade, the SEC has wanted publicly traded companies to be more transparent with benefits, with compensation, with all sorts of things that are human capital related. The SEC was very interested in 30414. They still are very keenly interested. And, in, you know, we see this as a way for individuals or companies to self-report, which I think they're um, you know, organizations don't want to be told what to do. They'd like to be, they'd like to be more self-reported, self-regulated than to be be mandatory. So, three hundred four one four is a great way for organizations to report their on their ten k some of those human capital metrics that are important. And stakeholders or shareholders are, you know, saying you need to be report, reporting this. We want to know if we're investing in this company. We want to know about the most important resource. We want to know about the people. Who are these people that are part of this company? Speaking of standards, one of the things that we did to help our standards in, the, in this show is we started outsourcing questions to guests. 
be really curious to get your answer to this one. This comes to us from Scott Leeper, all the way from Scotland. He asked, if you could change the name of human resources, would you? And what term would you use that you think better describes what we do? I think that we are business people and the people business. And I think that accurately describes, I know there's been all sorts of discussion about, should we be human capital? Should it be, you know, HR? Should it be people all over the place? But I think we are HR, we are business people in that business of our people. I like that. Right, to the point. I mean, that's, might as well get right to the point with what we do. Everyone else is pretty clear. <laughs> Short, sweet, and to the point. Exactly. Well, Amy, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half hour question connection. First question, because we know nobody dreams of being an HR professional when they're growing <laughs> up. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? I wanted to be a veterinarian. My dad said, all right. When I was 12, he said, Dr. Bill, who was our local veterinarian, he convinced him to let me come and be a vet for a day. So I did. I had to watch him spay and neuter dogs and cats. And that was enough for me. I'm like, <laughs> I never want to do this because I love animals too much to have to do that to him. <laughs> I understand the necessary reason, right? But yikes. <laughs> You're the second person that's mentioned veterinarian in the last six months or so. <laughs> that person didn't get a chance, though, to actually do anything hands-on. So I, I, yeah. that's pretty amazing. I well, I, it was really wise of my dad, right? Yeah. To say, okay, if you want to do this, let's, let's, you know, and he had a, a great connection with his, his friend, Dr. Bill, and yeah, anyway. <laughs> Amy, who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Oh my gosh, there are so many Everyone that's been on our podcast, <laughs> I just, I think there are so many amazing stories to tell. Solange Chiras, uh, who is an amazing um, individual in the human capital space. She's had a long career in valuing human capital. You know, I think about, um, I mean, there's just, you know, if you don't have Dave Ulrich, if you're not following what he writes, I mean, he's just such a prolific writer and spot on picked up several books. Uh, Reculturing is a book that I think is amazing. Atlas of the Heart, um, another great book. There's just so many great thinkers that are out there. Diversity of thought and opening your mind and, and ears um, and eyes up to things that are that are different. Denise Caleb, who I've hired as the president of HRSI, she's amazing business leader and HR person who I have just so enjoyed working with. Anyway, I could go on and on because there are just so <laughs> many, right? There are so many amazing people out there that are really pushing us to think differently. And I love it. Amy, if you could go back to the start of your career, what is one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? This is a tough question because I think that all of the experiences that I've had, I've had because, you know, it's. I think each of them has made me better and stronger and has made me think differently, maybe take more risks. Fortunately, in my career, I am not performing brain surgery on anyone. So my decisions won't cause someone uh, any peril. You know, I think that risk-taking is great. And I think it's, I think HR leaders have to be risky. And I, I call us scientists because we're constantly experimenting 
trying out new things and might work, might not work. Trying things out and be doing experimentation are always ways to learn more. Amy, we've talked quite a bit about what you're doing to give back to the HR community. How about to your community at large? How do you enjoy doing that? There's been things that I've gotten more involved with. I'm the chair of the board of an organization called Columbia Lighthouse for the Blind. I've been intimately involved with them for almost 20 years, uh, volunteering, you know, helping the organization through uh, some challenging times. I'm really passionate about what they do. Uh, I was recently um, at an event. We have partners at, at Columbia Lighthouse have partnered with the Royal Society for Blind Children, which is in the UK. And we are making accessible the metro station here in Washington, D.C. to people that are blind or visually impaired or that may just have trouble, you know, with directions and finding things. And at CLB, we try to to help people to live on their own and do all the things that sighted people take for granted. At this event that I was talking about, I went over to greet one of our speakers who was talking about how she became blind actually during the pandemic. She came with a friend who is also blind and they got out of the car and the first question that Corey asked me, who was was her friend, um, he said, is my shirt clean? Like, I, I don't want to be embarrassed that I'm wearing a dirty shirt. I've never met these folks before. And it, it was a level set for me. It was a reminder for, for the little things that we take for granted. Our shirt is clean because we can see if we spilled spaghetti on it. A person who is blind or if they're with another blind person, they, they don't know that. And then Cheryl, who was the speaker, she she got out and she said, is my lipstick, did I get it in the right place? And again, you know, again, these are things where you go, I take this for granted. And this is such a an amazing group of individuals who have some challenges that they're learning to cook and clean and think about money just the paper dollars that we have. You don't know if you're holding a 20 or a $1 bill. We have resources to help people that are blind or visually impaired mark their money. I mean, now that credit cards are a lot more accessible to everybody, it's just, that's easier. But it's just those things that you take for granted. For me, I think about how can I help these folks find, be gainfully employed and contribute so that they can find their zone of genius and what makes them happy and connected with themselves. And many people who are blind aren't born blind. They were sighted and life circumstances take their sight in a different, you know, in a different direction. Wow. So that's what I do. It's fun. I love, I love CLB, right? I love them. <laughs> I mean, that's really cool. I mean, because you don't think about all of the challenges that they would have that are going to be different from the things you take for granted, like you said, because you're sighted and being able to um, help them find meaningful work. How, how rewarding that, and it's rewarding enough on the talent acquisition side when you help people find right. work, but to have someone who's facing additional challenges, how awesome, how awesome that would be. I think most people call this our hardest question. Favorite movie. I'm going back a long time, but somewhere in time is one that I loved mm -hmm. It's old, but I loved sort of going back in time. And it was in a very cool era. It was, you know, Jane Seymour is in it. And she's amazing. Or The Man from Snowy River, which I, mm. you know, the veterinarian in me comes out when I see like <laughs> the horses in Australia and you see the countryside and it's so beautiful. And it's such a cool story with Kirk Douglas, who plays two characters in the movie. Super fascinating. 
okay, so that's two movies. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Neither of which have Neither been mentioned one, no. on the show. Before. Ah, that's the this is the way way back machine, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> what about your favorite or the most memorable live performance you've ever attended? Oh, Hamilton. I'm sure everybody says that, right? Just once, um, um, but yeah, just yeah. Once. <laughs> yeah. My first concert was Brian Adams, so maybe that was the most memorable because, and, and it was in Red Rocks because I'm from Colorado. Oh. So, oh. I mean, a concert in Red Rocks, like you can't beat that. It's amazing. <laughs> I will agree with that. I uh, I lived in Colorado for a while, and I worked at Red Rocks one summer. Oh, um, so I got amazing. to see a lot of great concerts. Yeah, um, yeah. That was that is the place to see a concert. I will agree with that. Oh. All right, Amy, if you could be on any TV show, either as a character or as yourself, what would it be? So I think it would be the female version of MacGyver, which I don't even know if there's oh. a real show. Like MacGyver's really old, right? But I always loved like being able to take something and, you know, you're in this unique situation and you're trying to be creative with finding a way out of it or building something that I don't, I always, I loved that that his character, you know, sort of that putting things together and building and engineering stuff. That that's what it would be, I guess. I like it. Did you happen to catch the remake? No. I never did either. I just wondered. I think it made it maybe a season or maybe it, it didn't <laughs> last long. I don't know. As long as you got some shoestrings and bubble gum, you can make something. Stuff <laughs> exactly, <together>. right? <laughs> Recently it was announced it's going to be Dr. Amy Dufresne Day all around the world. What are we going to do to celebrate? I'm from Colorado. So we're going to celebrate by going skiing. Everybody's going to get on skis, go skiing. You've got to be outside. It's a warm day, but the snow is not iced. And it's like a little bit of snow is coming down, even though it's warm. You could actually, and and you could ski in your shorts, which is even better, (laughs) right? That's what we're all going to do. Oh, a good spring ski. I love it. That's right. But but you get a little snow yeah. too, yeah. right? So <laughs> Finally, Amy, as you know, we are outsourcing some of our work. So if you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would it be? I love to hear what people or understand what people are reading. What are they listening to? What podcasts are they listening to? What books have they read it doesn't have to be a new book. It could be an oldie but goodie, right? Like um, that's what I would, I'd love to to hear that and know what people are reading and, and doing. Now in the book, hopefully they're listening to this podcast yes. and then hopefully they're listening to your podcast, which I appreciate so much. You've given us so much mm-hmm. of your time, which we cannot thank you enough for. We'll have to have you back to talk podcasting yeah. because that is something we love to do. <laughs> awesome. I'd love to do that. I know most of our listeners are probably following you or connected with you already, but if they are not, best way for them to reach you out there. So there's a couple of ways. You can go to amydufresne.com. I have a website that connects back to HRCI, back to all of my different social handles. Um, But of course, you can visit us at hrci.org or hrsi.org. So now we've got lots of ways that you can connect with us. We'll have all that in the show notes. And then Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there. Uh, best way, as always, on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. And then, of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Join us on Twitter for our twice-monthly Twitter chat. 
How about you, John? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman. And for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, review, share, follow, whatever platform you're listening on. Check mark button. I don't know. They're all different. But follow. <laughs> you're going to get that new episode each and every week. International listeners, hopefully you're excited about what's going on with HRCI and now with HRSI. If you're talking about standards in, in your organization, contact us. We'd love to have those conversations mm-hmm. We want to have more international guests this year. We've had some, Scott Lieber, for example, our friend in Scotland. We want to have more and have those kind of conversations with you. So reach out because it is easier for you to get in touch with us than for us to get in touch with you. Amy, again, can't thank you enough for all your time and for what you're doing for our industry, for our community. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.